Hello and welcome back to Parallel Passion. Before we begin, I'd like to sincerely thank everyone who supports this show on Patreon. If you wish to join these awesome people, go to patreon.com slash or follow the link in the show notes. You'll not only be supporting this podcast and the idea behind it, but you'll also receive our awesome stickers and a special surprise since, you know, it's Christmas time. Today, I'm joined by Doman Kozhar. If you're in the Python or Nix world, you have undoubtedly heard of him. He's the man behind Cashix, Hercules CI, and many other well-known projects. But as you know, this podcast is not about that. Here, we address other things, like surfing, digital nomadism, remote work, yoga, and then we even dive deep into our burnout stories and how we dealt with that. Long story short, get plenty of sleep and work smart, not hard. But you should really listen to the full discussion, so let's jump right into it. Hi, Doman. Welcome to Parallel Passion. Hey. How are you? Yeah, good. Um, thanks. Sunny, sunny here in Lisbon. How are you? Oh, you're in Lisbon. Uh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's not sunny here in Ljubljana, let me tell you. It's a winter in Ljubljana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard it's cold, yeah. Well, why don't we start by you telling um, who, who you are and what do you do? Yeah, so I'm a, a programmer for about 10 years now. Right now, I'm working with my um, business partner, Robert Hensing. We're building like a continuous integration um, service um, since the yeah middle of 2018, so it's pretty fresh. Mm-hmm. My previous job was working for um, IHK, which is one of the um, cryptocurrency companies. And before, yeah, it was mostly freelancing now and there um, for mostly in, in Python. Mm-hmm. Um, spheres yeah and you you mentioned you're in lisbon so let's let's get right to that mm-hmm. um you're a digital nomad what the hipsters call a digital nomad mm-hmm. <laughs> um so uh what does this mean for for you specifically yeah i don't know if I, if i would call myself a digital nomad i guess it's it's a vague term right um hmm. but uh usually the idea is that you you change um places and, and you visit them and then you move on um, quite frequently, I would guess. Um, it's, it's hard to define that, but every couple of months, right, um, if not sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, in my case, with, um, with my friend Nate, we started this way back um, in, in Erasmus, actually, going to Barcelona, giving it a try to see how it's like to to spend the winter somewhere warm instead of in Slovenia. <laughs> um, although it, it's not about so much about being warm rather than just having uh, sun. Um, and that that worked a bit out pretty nicely. So I've been since then almost, uh, well, we skipped a few years, but almost every year just uh, escaped the winter somewhere. And wh- where have you been? It's just uh, the like um, the peninsula with Spain and uh, uh, Portugal or someplace else as well? Yeah, so uh, it was mostly Spain. So it was Barcelona, Valencia, and then uh, Canary Islands, and particularly mostly Lanzarote, but also um, for me, Tenerife. Mm-hmm. And, um, and now it's actually Lisbon extended. So it's also over the summer. It was also over the summer. Um, and yeah, so mostly, mostly Spain. And you do it just to escape the cold or, uh, is, is there something else that, that you look for when you're traveling around? It's mostly to escape the, the fog and <laughs> the, the, the non-sunny days. Um, but yeah, it, it's also, I think, 
Um, this, this might be a bit controversial to say, but uh, Slovenia is quite homogeneous in terms of, of people and, and, and uh, food and just mm-hmm. going around. For example, in Lisbon, you have so many different f- food uh, you can pick from. Um, there is a lot of different Asian food and, and African, um, probably because of their colonies in the past and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is really... And just like meeting people coming from all different kinds of countries um, for very different reasons, um, it's just very interesting. Um, and in, I, I guess in Slovenia, it's it's starting to happen as well, but it's it's not as as big scene as it is um, elsewhere. And actually, uh, Lisbon is the biggest digital nomad uh, has the biggest digital nomad meetup now. Oh, really? Um, and um, uh, I think Ash. Ash is the, one of the co-organizers, and it's um, he was traveling before for I think like five years over Asia and so on, and he was one of the people that kind of were the pioneers of digital uh, nomad scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's really it's really cool to see that they're organizing stuff like um, karaoke's and, <laughs> and um, I don't know um, like uh, stand up um, and and all kinds of, of things like that. Um, so it's really interesting to meet uh, different kinds of people constantly going in and out. Yeah, and um, do do you have uh, any like other countries on the on the list that you will visit soon, or is it um, mostly just like this Europe? Yeah, um, actually, we're, we're um, planning to leave Lisbon in January and going to to Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be my first time in Asia, and my partner's uh, Anas as well, and. Um, yeah, the, the idea is to go to Chiang Mai, where we have some friends, so that we, we get uh, to know the culture um, and the rules, which might be a bit different, and, and so on. Um, and then going to Vietnam um, and Bali. Um, yeah, Bali, I guess, is also a popular destination for digital nomads. Yes, yeah. Uh, Changu in particular, uh, which is like a surfing uh, town. Mm. Mm, yeah, definitely. So we're just gonna try to get a glimpse of Asia this um, this winter and see how much we like it and and so on. You mentioned uh, like different foods and and cuisines, and if one follows you on Instagram, uh, you uh, you post a lot of food. So are you? Would you call yourself a, a foodie? <laughs> um, I don't know. I particularly don't like to call my to to put myself into this. Uh, <laughs> groups um but i i would definitely describe myself as someone with with my partner that we like to try different food um and um really push you know our our tastes to the limits and and enjoy that um that time um and we're not the kind of people that would like eat a sandwich over over (laughs) over the day just to get through lunch or something and do you also cook your, yourself or do you prefer just going out and trying um, cuisine from like master cookers? Um, no, I, I don't cook myself uh, that much. Um, I keep it very simple if I cook. Uh, I guess, I guess I'm, on, I'm more the consumer <laughs> in this case. <laughs> um, just, yeah, trying what different parts of the world can, can provide. And uh, you, you mentioned uh, Erasmus and uh, Canary Islands before. Um I I know you also surf a lot and that you're into into surfing and all that. So um, when when did this um, begin? Like when did you 
discovered this passion over over surfing? Huh, that's a good question. Um, it, it was on Lanzarote, I think. Um, me um, with Garbas and Anais, two, two of my friends, we went there, and we by accident discovered uh, uh, another Slovenian uh, family mm-hmm. in a, a very small town called Famara. It's on the very north of of Lanzarote Island. It's like 500 houses or something. I don't know precisely. It's very small. Mm-hmm. And they just moved in the middle of, of the big recession there to to try to to make like a family business. And uh, Tony, Tony and Spela are... Um, I mean, Tony was doing like a lot of water sports before, um, basically all of them. Um, and we were, we, we kind of met them and, and Tony got us into this and, and, you know, helped us, uh, uh, rent his equipment and, and taught us, uh, like how to start and so on. And yeah, that was where, where like, it was very smooth and, and really joyful, um, to have someone to help you, uh, mm-hmm. you know, get your feet wet. <laughs> <laughs> quite literally. <laughs> yeah, quite literally. Uh, did you ever try uh, windsurfing, like uh, our friend from the episode eight, uh, Primoz? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's a, that's a, another topic. I was thinking when I started, I, I wanted to make a very conscious decision of which sport do I pick. Mm-hmm. So I was deciding between um, kite surfing, surfing, um, and and windsurfing. Um, and there is a lot of things to this, to to consider. In particular, like you know, how much how much do you have to invest uh, into your equipment? Can you do it in Slovenia? Can you do you have to travel far and so on? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've decided to start with kite surfing. Um, well, and one of them is also how hard it is to to learn to start to enjoy. And this is where windsurfing is is one of the hardest. Um, because there's a lot of time before you really start to to enjoy, versus, for example, kite surfing is one of the quickest ones, uh, like in 10 to 15 hours, depending on conditions. If you're like in Egypt and it's flat, uh, probably like in 10 hours, you can already start, you know, kite surfing. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Famara, where there's like a lot of swell and it's it's harder because the, the waves can be quite big, it takes a bit longer. So, um yeah, windsurfing kind of uh, fell off my table um, because of that. I guess you had a good point there. It's not just how long does it get you to to learn it. It's like how long does it get you to start really enjoying it. I think that's the uh, that's the big one, right? Yeah, yeah, that was my uh, metric to to decide, and I think um, that it was a good one. And, and and then comes the whole idea here of of what uh, Tony is doing, which is called something, uh, which is called Waterman. Um, and the idea is that you basically slowly do all of those water sports. Um, and uh, once you, you know, once you know how to read the waves, how to read the wind, for example, in kite surfing, mm-hmm. uh, you already know quite some bits that you also need, for example, in windsurfing, if, if I would decide to, to go that path. That that sounds very hippie like, like oh, you just have to read the waves, man. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's actually quite an art uh, to <laughs> to to do that because, like, if you ask any any surfer, they will tell them, yeah, you know, we just spent two years in water, and you'll you'll know it. Um, and and people are have hard time explaining it. I mean, there's there's some basics, um, 
but like if if a wave comes, should you turn left or right? Is it a left or a right wave? That's something that you kind of have to start reading yourself um, and so on. Yeah, that uh, definitely sounds interesting. But um, yeah, so when did you when did you start with this? Uh, whew, now you got me. I think it's about four or five years ago. Mm. So not that long, actually. Yeah, not that long. And we even had like one year where we didn't go anywhere. So mm. I was not doing much. And I, I'm guessing it was love at first sight uh, by how you really are uh, enthusiastic about it. Yeah, yeah. When, when, when we were in Lanzarote and I learned to kitesurf, I think it was um, one of the best moments in my life. Um, <laughs> going there, kitesurfing for even like four or five hours at the sunset. Uh, completely middle of the ocean it's it's something that it's really hard to you know replicate <laughs> otherwise uh, being so much in touch with the nature uh, you, yet so far from everyone um, yeah it was really really joyful you you obviously know about you knew about surfing before so what didn't you expect about it once you once you got going what was different that what how you imagined it right so this is very interesting because um, I think when you start to learn, for example, surfing specifically, which is way harder, um, is that it's quite a, a challenge for your ego. <laughs> because you, you fail over and over again. Um, and it's just, and you get also tired at the same time. So a lot of times it would happen to me in the beginning that I would kind of get angry because, you know, things are not going well. Mm -hmm. um, and then you get tired and then you, start thinking okay this is a bit crazy why, why am i doing this i mean if 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 i'm not at already that good then you know i should lower my expectations and just you know take it easier um so it was just the the slope of for example surfing was quite hard to get there um and you really feel it physically uh, that it hurts <laughs> um <laughs> And, you know, as, as you go in the session um, and you get more and more tired, also your performance drops. So it was... Yeah, of course. Um, like in when you program, I guess there is, you know, a difference between starting a day and finishing it. But uh, in surfing, the, it makes a huge difference between the first hour and the third hour, for example. Well, I think the difference is also that now, like you said, you've been programming for 10 years. Um, I, I can imagine then that when we were starting, like now we forgot, but I think when we were starting it, this was also very hard for us. But like once, you, once you're really enthusiastic about something, you just persist and you keep on going, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you're right. Um, it's, we definitely forget these bits um, that... Uh, but I don't know. I guess it's also has to do, you know, with me thinking a bit about the age. Um, <laughs> I was learning programming at 15. It was much different enthusiasm than, than kitesurfing at 25. Learning kitesurfing at 25. Yeah, we're old. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 yeah, kicks in. <laughs> and, and now, uh, do you still do it or is it too cold at, at the moment? Yeah, it was actually just yesterday. So now I'm doing stand-up paddling on waves. Oh, okay. Um, here, and I was just doing that yesterday in Peniche here. It's like one hour away from Lisbon. Um, and um, yeah, I, I still do it. Although we live like a bit, in, we need like half an hour to get with a, with a car um, to the beach. So it's not like completely every day, like it was in Lanzarote, living like 50 meters away from, from the spot. Um 
it's a bit more selective. But yeah, I, I still try to do it about, I don't know, two times a week, maybe three times, something like that. I oh, don't really log this. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a quite good exercise. Yeah, I can imagine. Do you do anything else? Like, do you go to to fitness or anything to keep up your your muscle tissue, or is it just uh, surfing? Yeah, so um, I figured out actually that yoga goes really well mm -hmm. um, with surfing. Um, so yeah, doing that as well two times per week. So it's like two times yoga and two to three times um, standard paddling mostly, mm -hmm. and sometimes kite surfing nowadays. And uh, yeah, I, that's a good combination. When when did you start with with yoga? Like that's uh, something I I find very um, interesting on paper, but I've never never went into it. I maybe I should maybe I should look into it more. <laughs> yeah, so this is a bit um, of a longer development, I would say. Um, I I started to to meditate because I was like starting to burn out, and then I went into yoga slowly which kind of joined together with uh, Lisbon and surfing. Um, that, that's like the short story. Um, but yeah, I, I start, first started meditating using this app called Headspace. It's quite known nowadays. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it's really easy to start. It's like free and then you can meditate like for three minutes and it's guided meditation. So you, you don't, you just, you know, follow. <laughs> um, and then started doing more and more of that. And uh, then talk to some friends and, uh, you know, meditation is just one discipline part of yoga. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, basically, once you once you join that with, with other parts of yoga, it, it becomes even more, you know, effectful or, or um, it, it, it has a bigger impact um, on your body. So we started doing that uh, as an experiment um, in, in Lisbon. And before that, we did like... Uh, kind of like CrossFit in Slovenia. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that yoga is working much better with combination of surfing. Do, do you think it also like um, bulks you up or is it only for like flexibility and uh, like you mentioned, uh, peace of mind and calmness and all that? No, it, it also bulks you up because, um, I mean, it depends a lot on what kind of yoga you're doing. In, in, a, in our case, we're doing very static yoga. So you would be in one, for example, uh, asana for like, you know, a minute or more, mm -hmm. um, and it quite builds up your muscles. Um, but in this case, it's it's not just asana, so the, you know, the, this very stereotypical, what do we think about yoga, but it's also a lot of different disciplines. So it's also a lot about breathing, um, and uh, that was also really, really helpful um, to learn how to breathe in many different ways. Um, and then, you know, also using that in, in real life uh, sometimes uh, can be quite interesting. For example, uh, if you are like on a podcast by any chance, <laughs> you need to calm down. If you want to take control of your body, if you start breathing slowly, like mindfully, um, you can basically take control of, of your um, stress, basically. It, it, it's hard to get there. I'm, I'm still not that good to really say that I can do that. Um, but um It's it's something that helps in not just outside of the um, the the work workout, right? Yeah. Um, and do you go to a to a specific class, like, or do you just follow an app like you do for meditation? Yeah. So I we we started with Anna together, following like uh, these yoga classes on YouTube, and I've paid for like three apps and all of that. Um, 
but I found that it's it's just not as as good as going to to yoga um, and having a teacher. Um, so I I don't think it's you can really get the same output. Um, having someone to correct you, to push you, there is you know the peer pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, um, just just going somewhere else, not being at home, and and going into a very a different room that is you know specially for yoga. It's like a mind trick, but it works really well. Um, and I think we we got a lot more out um, doing that um, with a teacher. Oh yeah, no, definitely. It's it's the same when like people start working remotely, and I tell them like either uh, get an office or furnish apart furniture like a part of your home as an office, uh, mm-hmm. so you differentiate between office like between work and non work. And I, I guess it's the same for like fitness at and. Uh, uh, if if you really want to be in the mood or and in the zone, you have to do some steps to get in in that mood. You can't just be in your like regular clothes and start working out like that. That won't work out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it turns out that that kind of works with meditation. But yeah, as soon as you go into workout and yoga and all of this stuff, it's it's basically the same. Um, I agree. That was that was basically what we've tried and and we figured out. Mm-hmm. We re- relearned and the same. And is there a special variety of yoga that you found, or is it just basic yoga? I, I like I, I don't know enough about yoga, so I, I don't know how to properly structure the question. <laughs> no, no, it, it's a very good question, uh, and I know what you mean precisely. So there is different uh, types of yoga. Um, you know, there's there's yogas that only focus on asana, so you only do the, basically it's. Basically, it's just workout. Um, to be honest, it's not much different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in our case, we have uh, a teacher, which is um, from they call it uh, a master in here in Portugal, and uh, you know it's something that goes from generation to generation. Um, and in this case, there I think there's like fourteen disciplines. So just one of them is asanas, and one of them is breathing. But there is also like uh, things like you thank, um, you know, the existence of the world and so on. Mm. So it, it has also this spiritual part, yeah. uh, which you might like or not. Uh, depends what you're searching for. Um, and uh, in, in this case, it's it's a very, it tries to, to, to cover all of these disciplines equally. Um, and then how yogas differ is, uh, you know, how fast, how fast do you do asanas or, if asanas are creative or not, so do you always go through the same sequence, or do you do you always do you do different ones um, and and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. And uh, in our case, I I like this slow slow paced uh, motion because at the end of of our session, which actually takes like an hour and a half, you feel like really really relaxed um, compared to like when we did you know boot camp before, um, you felt really stressed at the end. In a good way, but but still, the body was stressed, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think it's it's a very different uh, state of mind uh, that uh, after the exercise, yeah. Yeah, I, I I can imagine that. Yeah, it's um, I don't I don't know if I had experienced anything like that, but listening to people who do yoga, it it makes makes perfect sense. Um, it's uh, it's definitely more. No, it's as as far as exercises go. It's the one that's more 
spiritually driven as well. So it's not just a physical thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, something that is a very personal preference, um, and you can go really deep into the spiritual part as well. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm like um, mostly interested into, um, you know, basically just calming down, stop thinking about you know problems, and focus on on the this very moment. Um, and uh, yeah. I guess it's okay to say thank you for for that. You know, the sun goes up every day, but uh, I don't dwell on it too much. <laughs> yeah, the 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 gratitude that we all, always forget about until we lack something, then we then we remember how well it was when once we had it, whatever it was. Yeah, and, and here is where where this part also goes very well together with with stoicism to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, the the mindset are are quite similar i would say um and yeah it's it's definitely important to do that as well yeah um i i think yoga has a lot of common in common with buddhism or like at least it uh, uh, is from the same sort of uh, vein of thinking mm-hmm. and buddhism and stoicism are very very similar um in especially like this late stoicism that um I am enthusiastic about and I'm, I'm I guess it's gaining popularity now um, but uh, I, I think the main difference uh, is that in in meditation you try to clear your mind uh, it's like if you I tried these apps uh, like you mentioned headspace and calm and I think there's some other that's also popular mm-hmm. um, and like the, the purpose is to they try to help you clear your mind of of everything to try to think of nothing basically um whereas with stoicism it's more about reflecting on the day and and thinking about what happened um i, I think both work and both have like uh as long as you practice something and not just um, aimlessly wander around i think you're doing something good for for yourself and also for people around you i guess yeah I, i think they both have a different purpose um one is i would say more more one is more about like handling the stress if if that's what you know a lot of meditation is about nowadays mm-hmm. um and and just like trying to not think about the problems in your life all the time and just just go into this default uh, zone uh what they call when you when you um yeah keep your mind as steady as you can mm-hmm. um and um and the other one is is more about reflecting and and um lowering expectations yeah and, and i think they they actually go hand in hand a lot um, yeah, yeah. if you practice them both i i think like a uh, life pro tip that i can give is uh lower your expectation <laughs> like whenever whenever you have low expectations you're just gonna be happier <laughs> overall <laughs> Yeah, I agree. It's a, uh, it's actually why we go to Asia this year. We we lowered expectations because mm. I I've always wanted to go to to like Vietnam and so on. I always wanted to do it like Big Bang, like uh, you know, and uh, and and we said okay, let's just let's just go for like unbounded amount of time and just um, you know, let's see what happens, right? And and not have much expectations. And I, I think I agree with that. Uh, it's usually gets you through easier <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. At least you're not disappointed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and do you still use apps for meditation or have you now reached a stage when you don't need any any external help? Um it depends what I want to do. So if if I just want to to meditate, I would <clears throat> I can do it without the app. Um but uh it also depends how stressed I am. Mm -hmm. Um if I'm if I'm really stressed, it helps to have someone um because in the, in the guidance uh like the the guy that's leading uh, in the headspace will tell you like okay if, if something is on your mind just let it go it's fine um and um i i still it's it's still useful sometimes to to mix and match and and get some guided meditation and and be without um in general it takes a lot of literally years to to become you know Uh, someone as a monk where you can just uh, completely <laughs> detach yeah. and, and 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 there is a whole theory that you have like five levels and even actually they call meditation the very last one which only you know the great masters of practicing this for like 60 years can achieve um and and so it, yeah there is it's a rabbit hole of, of of how how much you can you can do in the meditation <laughs> yeah I, i i think it's it's the same with uh with stoicism and any any other like philosophy or life style you start to follow yep yep does it have any uh long-term effects the meditation and calmness that you now practice like over the life you had before yeah i think it definitely has um um it's um i think it's it's personal for you know for everyone in, in my case I, i think i was kind of stressing too much about all the problems and trying to think about solutions and uh it started to affect my mental health and nothing really bad just i i noticed mm -hmm. um that i was you know becoming a bad person <laughs> or a person <laughs> i don't want to be um So that's why I started looking into this, and uh, I think it has improved a lot. Um, that it ha gives you a framework of of like detaching and and letting it go, um, and and teaching your brain that that although you have problems, it's also fine to not think about them for for some time. And uh, I guess not everybody has problems with this because um, you can you can have you know, meditative uh, effects from, from different things in your life. You know, for example, if you're running, uh, like I know you are, you might also be practicing meditation in, in, mm -hmm. in some sense uh, by just... Yeah, un unawarely. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't start running to, like, to meditate, but it happened. Like the, once, once you start enjoying in the run and you actually, yeah, you clear your, you clear your mind when you're running and that's... Uh, been really beneficial it's like a side benefit that i didn't expect exactly right because you could be just running and and thinking about all the, your problems but you can just run and enjoy the moment and if you're doing it that way then you're basically meditating so um yeah that's <laughs> that's already you know helps um but yeah definitely in my case it, it helped uh, a lot um get my 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 mental state uh, my mental health in a better shape um and uh, i think looking back a year or two it definitely improved uh, you know relationships and, and so on yeah now, now that you said this and and you mentioned uh, your personal mental health a couple of times there's something we are both uh, passionate about but not passionate like we want to encourage it 
but passionate about preventing it. That's uh, that's burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know you've experienced it. I've experienced it uh, quite a while back. Uh, I am on one side quite happy that it happened while, while I was still relatively young. So now I know what to do. Because um, if it hits you when you're like 30, it's different di- than if it hits you when you're 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I just, yeah, I just want to first talk about how it was for you. Like what were the burnout eff- effects for you and how, how did it start? Yeah, um, I think, it, you know, it goes through different stages. Um, in my case, um, it was, it started with just, you know, having so many things to, to think about and, and context switching and, and, and not not being able to finish um, um, all the things that, that came to, you know, to my desk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, yeah, working more as, you know, the, the more common, uh, the most uh, common way to compensate them and trying to catch up. Um and then it started to show in, in different ways on my mental health. Um, at the very end, um, I, I started waking up in the middle of nights um, and, and having like very intense dreams, and then then uh, which were mostly connected with with my work, and then basically uh, not being able to to calm down again for like you know three hours. So I would have to like go and, and watch a TV or like read a blog post or something mm-hmm. um, and then be able to go to sleep again, for example. And did you know immediately this was a sign of a burnout or were you confused what's what's going on? Um, I mean, I had I didn't have such a strong one before. I had like um, smaller ones before in my life. Um, so I knew it, it was, you know, burnout. And I was also meditating before that. Um, and it was helping definitely um, managing the stress. Um, I knew that um, you know that I'm going into to direction of, of really harsh burnout, um, but I never went that far. So it's hard to say. You know, uh, is it enough? <laughs> Should I do something now mm-hmm. differently? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought I was man- managing it with with yoga and, and meditation. Um, but it, it was getting worse. And once I started waking up, I think it was about two to three times per week. Um, yeah. Also my sleep, you know, when, when your sleep starts to get, uh, you know, really bad, then I think, uh, this is, uh, this was a moment for me to, to realize that I should do something more proactive. Um, because I, I, I knew that sleep is really important, right? So I always try to sleep at least eight hours. Mm. Um, but in this case, I had no more control over it. And, and I realized, okay, this is now where, where I lost so much control over my body that it's, it's probably a time to do something. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the difference between you and me, I guess. Because for me, I think the burnout came... Uh, because I didn't sleep much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, I think the problem was I enjoyed everything I was doing so much mm-hmm. that uh, sleep just had the lowest priority. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't even think about it that much. I, the prob- I mean, the, the thing is I felt great. Uh, I didn't feel any, any problems uh, like or with, with mental health, with physical health, anyhow. Like I, I felt good. 
it's just that one day I, I just could not think anymore. I was just um, like I would be trapped in a box or something. My my mind just wasn't working anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's um it's a very weird feeling <laughs> looking at the code that you wrote just five minutes ago and have no idea what it means, how it works, what it is. <laughs> and um, I I like one of the major changes I did after that was that sleep used to have the lowest priority i guess and now it has the the highest like i really really aim to be at bed at like 11 and wake up at 7 um and try even more and um i just recently started reading started reading a book called why we sleep um i don't know if you heard about it but i saw it recommended like a couple of times and i started reading it it's it's by a doctor uh, that researches sleep and it's scary. It's just downright scary what we're doing to ourselves by not sleeping, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I learned that lesson before with, with like smaller burnouts. Um, and I was really, um, you know, fixed on that. Okay, you know, whatever happens, I'm going to have my eight hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turned out this lesson was not enough for this burnout because <laughs> I, I did everything I could to sleep, you know, Um but uh, as stress reached uh, the very high levels, um, it, it, I didn't have it under control. So it was something very new, new, new burnout for me, basically. Um, and was it the change in the work scope? Like, did you do something that you weren't doing before that triggered that? Or was it just uh, too much of everything? I, I think it was a combination. Um, I was managing... Um, a group of, of six engineers and, and some other consultants. So in total, it was like 10 um, and trying to manage business expectations. Um, and um, it was in the cryptocurrency scene where like there was there was a lot of you know money on the market. So mm, and also big fluctuations, right? Yeah. So there was there was these times where like, uh, you know, we're going to try to build everything. So we were we were uh, doing a lot of things at the same time, um, and I was I was trying to manage that and, and um, shift the focus around to say okay let's let's really focus on a few things, um, um, but it wasn't really happening. Um, and then once I was really burned out, I think it was really hard to to really think through what to do and and how to handle this, and and everything was more reactive than proactive uh, from that point on. And it was, um, yeah, that was the challenging part. I can, I mean, I, I know uh, how it feels to be burned out, but this is a different type of burnout that I, uh, that I experienced. <laughs> and um, so what did, you, what did you do about it other than start meditating? Um, well, I mean, I decided I'm gonna try to, to change uh, the culture um, and which is always uh, fun, <laughs> hard, fun and hard, right? And um, I've spent quite some time on it. Um, and well, I, I can say I failed because I, I didn't change much. So at the end, I, I resigned from my previous job as a way to, uh, yeah, just cut off from from the source that was causing the burnout, mm-hmm. um, and then slowly recover. And uh, yeah, I mean. I don't really regret it. Um, I'm, I'm definitely sure that uh, there's there's more better ways to do it, but I, I couldn't. Um, um, with the combination of things, I couldn't find a way of, of keeping my job um, and continuing to 
to to get the, the burnout into a good shape i mean to slowly recover so do you have any advice if anyone is listening to this and uh, is experiencing or uh, like feels they have similar symptoms or they feel them coming on do you have any advice for them what where should they go what should they start doing um yeah i mean the first stage is stage is just to 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 say okay you know things are going into the wrong direction and and to notice that your health is you know not in a good shape um once you admit to yourself which i think is is the hardest part um if you start googling around there's actually quite good uh, materials um i think there's articles like five uh, sources or reasons for burnout and, and they capture pretty well mm-hmm. um why this is happening and and then you have to to decide if you're gonna you know um deal with the symptoms or or just uh, you know meditate like i did um and then which which part uh, to start i would say i would start by just meditating or, or trying to to cope with stress um but if if it's uh, goes into the wrong direction and, and that doesn't help you're gonna have to start at the source and figure out what is you know stressing you and then um have a discussion with with people that can help um and and put this forward which is really hard which is really easy to say but really hard to do because in i think in our industry there is still um, um kind of a taboo theme um to say that you're burned out or something like that for from my perspective like as for me it was the lack of sleep what i find in our industry is people bragging about how little they sleep mm-hmm. or like how much they work like they are doing 80 hour work weeks or or whatever and um i i find that um depressing to say the least <laughs> uh it's i i think um it should be shunned upon and not encouraged especially like if you follow someone like uh gary vinerchuk or someone like that who's all about oh you have to just like work it till you die or some something like that and i I don't i really really don't agree with that i think that you're actually doing more damage first to yourself and to your health and then also to your business by working over hours because you just aren't focused you're not doing your best work yeah i agree um I think as an industry we're we're still young and we have a lot to learn. Um, I think we we're dealing with this work. We're looking at you know mental work as physical work, which is like okay, you can you know move like rocks from one side to another for longer, and that actually probably works better. Um, but when it comes to to mental work, um, putting more hours um, is. We, we we don't really take the brains into account as a you know limit uh, a resource that has limits mm-hmm. um and you know we can keep like seven things in our mind plus minus two and and i'm sure that if if you look into research once you're tired and so on that uh you know this drops um and that you can keep less things and, and that you, you, you have more problems focusing and, and so on. Mm. And uh, then you have to ask yourself a question of, of what, what is, you know, how do you get more outcome? Yeah. Um, and from my experience, like it's, it's really not productive because you're making more mistakes when you're like working over hours. Exactly. Which means that next day you're fixing those, those mistakes. Exactly. Which means you lost like four hours, which means it would be better if you would not be overworking at all. And it's just, 
in in the end it's better to do like even maybe even less maybe work just six hours per day but those six hours be like really really at your top game and deliver the best that you can get enough sleep and i'm sure i'm sure you'll be able to make it work yeah i completely agree um especially i was leading a devops team where you know mistakes can can be even you know can have even higher impact mm-hmm. um and uh, i was I, i'm advocating for that as well for, for this particular role in our industry even more so um because yeah a mistake can can mean uh, you lose a lot of money it can mean you you introduce a lot of work um on yourself for the next few days and so on um so it's it's yeah you're basically counterproductive <laughs> Um, yeah, or it can be like a huge security flaw that exposes your users, and that's like a mistake you're not bouncing back from. Yeah, exactly. I, I think the biggest question is, um, you know, how do we shift the whole, cur- the whole culture of getting the most of a single person, um, and and why maybe getting the most means that people are actually, uh, you know, relaxed and and. Uh, um, measuring this is, I guess, the biggest challenge, right? This is something we're we're all struggling with. Um, so we're we're doing like, you know, like voodoo voodoo management, where we think <laughs> we we know what what is the best way to do it, and and then uh, it's hard to disprove that. Um, but 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 having said that, I think in our industry, um, a lot of people went through different, you know, company cultures. Mm-hmm. And they have learned and, and observed this well empirically, but still um, that uh, that having uh, time to think about problems pays off more than than just getting your hands dirty and, and doing stuff, <laughs> uh, being stressed. Yeah, but um, I think you're onto something on changing culture, and it's also something we have the privilege of actually doing because we are all highly employable in our field mm-hmm. which means if you just if you don't agree with the culture if you don't agree what your teammate or how your team lead wants you to to work how, how your management wants you to work just quit and eventually they'll run out of people and you can easily get a job elsewhere like it's uh, it's not hard to find a job as a as a developer nowadays yes i agree there are traps um, in this case. For example, uh, when it comes to junior developers, they might not, you know, experience this. Yes. And they might not know. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and that's well, that's something what we went through. Hopefully, you know, they listen to postcards like this, so they can get a, a <laughs> bit of a glimpse. Um, that's why the other one is as a lot of times, um, and and I've been faulty of this myself is that you're you see you try to value other things over the, the, the bad culture. Um, for example, you know, it could be the salary, it uh, could be, um, you know, the cost of your company, of the company you're working for. It could be, you know, the technology, it could be, you know, many different things. Yeah. Um, and in, in any company, um, I, I guess there's always some things you don't like or would like to improve. Mm. Um, and then you have to balance it out. <laughs> While I agree with that, I think that none of it is is worth your personal health and well-being. In the in the long run, nothing else really matters. Um, it it it's just you and your life. You only have one, so why not? Why do something that like actively makes you suffer? Right. Yeah, I agree. 
And I guess that's where the difference comes between if you're 20 or 30. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you start to to value different things uh, just because of our yeah physical limits, right? Um, and I think by by now I would definitely agree with you. Um, but if you ask me this five years ago, I would probably disagree. Mm. To be honest, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, too bad I can't have a podcast with uh, you from five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't help. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, so how how do we reach those people? Uh, that's the. the... I, I think the way to to do it is is to for people to hear about it, and I guess everyone has to experience it to to really know your limits. Um, mm. This is sad, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's sad. It's sad to some degree, but to other, it's just, you know, we as humans, we always try to explore and push push the limits. Um, and I, I guess if you burn out once in your lifetime, that's a pretty good um, way to do it. Worse is if you continue to do it and you're, you're stuck. Um, I think that would be, that would have very different uh, mental health effects. Yeah, and and on that high note, um, uh, what would be uh, three books that you could recommend to the listeners, or like anything else, or articles, videos, um, any anything that uh, you could recommend that made a lasting impression on on your life? Uh, so, so not specific to burnout, just in general. yeah, just in general. If you could only give three things to uh, you from five years ago, I guess. <laughs> Um, or whatever. Uh, what was the? What would those three things be? Um, there is a really good essay. It's called uh, "Group is its own enemy." It's a really good essay about, um, well, this cult or how we group as a people. Um, I think it really opened my mind mind about you know what we are seeing now on internet and how this is not nothing new. Um, and, and the social dynamics of, you know, the group always selects a leader so that and they can find an enemy then to fight against and, and how that works. Um, I think that was really interesting. Um, this is a, an essay. It's by Clay Shirkis. Okay. Uh, a group is its own worst enemy. It's It was written in 2003. So that was a really uh, interesting one. Um, hmm, then... Another one is about, I, I think, uh, stoicism uh, that we both know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how is it called? Good Guide to the Good Life. Guide to the Good Life. Yeah, um, commonly recommended. <laughs> that one is is commonly recommended. Um, and I, I'm reading right now a really interesting book as well. Um, it's called uh, Quiet. Oh yeah, the introvert one, right? Yeah, yeah, and that one is something I wish I had you know, bread in high school or something. Um, it, it also helps a lot dealing with relationships of different kinds. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess hmm, if, if, uh, if I had another one, I'd say that the stoic one is so much recommended that it doesn't count. <laughs> um, there was a, a good uh, book uh, called um, <sighs> Manager's... Yeah, there is a book called Manager's Path, a guide for tech leaders navigating growth and change. Um, this one is more about for people that go from being a developer into to management. Um, and it was really, really uh, useful to for, for some things that you might need years to, 
to learn yourself, uh, you can get really good tips. Um, and uh, I would highly recommend it. But that one is very specific for, for the, uh, that audience. Yeah, well, I I do think a, a lot of those that audience is also listeners of this show. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good. And here I would just say again that uh, I I cannot recommend uh, the book on on sleep, like why we sleep enough. Uh, I'm I'm only like a third through, but it's uh, I don't know. I just I just want to tell everyone stop whatever you're doing and read this because it has. Uh, it's such like sleep has so many ramifications. It's scary when you read it, and I am um, in just mad for myself of not knowing this when I was youngest, younger. I guess. Yeah, I'll, I'll read it for sure. It, it sounds really interesting, and, and getting more, you know, confirmation that this is important uh, shall prevent mistakes in the future. Yeah. Do you have anything else you would like to to add? Is there is there something you are passionate about that we didn't uh, address? Um, I'm sure there is plenty. Uh, I would just say that um, in our industry, it's important to to talk about mental health, um, and that uh, that's as you, as you've captured it, it's most of the most important um, things to to be wary of. And uh, I hope that uh, by talking more about this um, and not being afraid to fail, um, we can change the culture bit by bit. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's hope so. Let's yeah. <laughs> let's see if uh, if this has uh, any uh, effect. Yeah. yeah. On, on 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 that bombshell. <laughs> uh, thank you for being a guest, Doman. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> see you soon in in Ljubljana, I guess in spring or whenever you come back. <laughs> right. Yeah. In January already. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Okay. <laughs> bye. All right. Bye. All right. This was my interview with Doman. I would love if you would share this podcast with your friends and followings. Send them a message, a tweet, a Facebook post, whatever. You want them to listen to a good podcast, right? If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, you would truly make my day if you post a review there. I get a lot of DMs, but no one else sees them. Reviews are there for everyone to see and they help other people discover good shows. Like, you know, this one. If you use a different app like Breaker, Overcast or anything that supports liking or favoriting, I'd appreciate your action there as well. You can also support this podcast with your hard-earned money. So I would invite you to do so by visiting patreon.com slash That's patreon.com slash P-A-R-P-A-S-P-O-D. Or open the show notes in your podcast app and follow the Patreon link there. Like I said in the intro, there's a special surprise waiting for you if you join now, because Christmas time. Thank you already. You can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We are at ParapassPod on all of them. All the links from this episode are in the show notes and on our website, parallelpassion.com 20. Thank you for listening and may your holidays be passionate. <laughs>